Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and thanks for joining me today. This is going to be a very special time. It's hope-filled, hope for today. That's what we're about. You know, in our world right now, um, there's a lot going on in our nation, Inflation is the highest it's been in many, many years. Um, Interest rates are rising, but I'm going to go where I need to go. Our gasoline is the most expensive it's ever been, but God will provide the money for me to go where I need to go. I'll eat what I need to eat. I ate in my favorite Italian restaurant yesterday, and I think they nearly doubled their prices. Uh, But I'm going to eat, and I'm going to do what I need to do because God is my provider. And even in... uh, the mess in Ukraine, we can be at peace because we know God knows what's going on, and we pray for those nations at odds right now that God will be with them. And so today, I'm just going to speak life into you and hope into your situation that God's got you in the palm of his hand, and he knows exactly where you're at. And I have a dear friend with me today who is all about leadership. This is Ellie Gates. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you. Glad to be here, John. Um, Ellie is a business leader. She loves to work with leaders. Uh, Give us a little bit of your background, Ellie. Sure. Um, Well, I spent my first 25 years really in corporate America, Mm -hmm. worked for companies like Adobe and Microsoft in the human resource function. Okay. So really helping to build the next leaders, making sure the work environment was fair. Right. Um, And then God kind of left turned me and took me into education. And Mm -hmm. so now I'm developing the next generation of leaders. Right. And so you're doing a a fantastic job with leadership. Uh, She trains leaders, works for different companies, is a professor in a university, Um, about to start your doctorate. Yes. 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 That's exciting. So, uh, you know, Ellie's all over the place doing all kinds of things and uh, loves God with all her heart. Uh, Tell us about your family. Yeah, so I have uh, three adult children now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe they're almost all 20 or above, right. but uh, two still in college and uh, one just graduated and making his way in the world. Right. So And been married, it'll be 29 years. 29 years. Next month. Yeah. yeah. So you you guys are just a few months ahead of Shelly and I. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's exciting. So Ken is a great guy. So again, thank you for being here today. And we're going to talk about hope for leadership. Um We've just come out of pandemic, or coming out of pandemic. Um, yay. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's so nice to see the plexiglass go down everywhere. Right, and yeah. no masks. No masks. And, um, yeah, so so thankful for that. Let's talk about that. How, how was leadership affected during mm. COVID? What, what would you say, what did that do to leadership? Yeah, I actually think leadership was way tested yes. during COVID. Yeah. In fact, I think most leaders found themselves in a place they'd never yeah, been, right. never imagined themselves to be. But the leaders that I think did a great job were those that actually stepped into more than a leader role, more right. of a um, a champion, a caretaker role right. with their employees. And, you know, bringing uh, calm to mm-hmm. the fact that we're going to get through this. Just like you started, right? We're going to get through this. Even though the world rages around us, a good leader will bring hope to to people. Well, let's talk about the workplace, the work environment. You you were in corporate America for 25 years. How do you see that COVID changed all of that? What are are some things? We're still not going to see it all for a while, but what are the dynamics you see changing? Well, I think there's a lot of dynamics that change. I mean, number one, work from home is not Mm -hmm. going away. Right. 
it is here to stay. And we've talked about having telecommuting options and things like that for many years, but it's it's here. Right. So um, any exa- anybody that thinks that people are going to be 100% in the office anymore, that's never going to happen. Um, I think also that people got realigned around family and right. flexibility and what it means to be present for my mm-hmm. my kids and my my spouse and be able to you know integrate. So I say right. we've lost work life balance. We've gained work life integration, mm-hmm. and it's really more work has to integrate with life. Whereas I think before pandemic, it was really the other way around. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So it's really a positive thing. I think that, I absolutely think so. Yeah. So. What ven- where are you at right now with leadership? What's your angle? Where what are you talking about? Yeah, um, I think you know a couple things with leadership and that I'm teaching my students and just even in the church is that you know leaders have to be the one to be courageously hopeful against hope. Mm-hmm. Right? It's really easy to get caught up in the the negative news stories. Right. Right. Like every day, I, I mean, we can turn on our phone and there's 20,000 of them. Right. But, you know, being a courageous leader, being willing to stand ahead and, and do what you need to do and get people to follow you, um, that's the most important thing. There's a great uh, video out there by Derek Seavers called The Shirtless Dancing Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes place at a festival and he's he's just out there enjoying the that. music. I've yeah. But what I love is he talks about that leaders have to embrace their followers. Right. Otherwise, they're just a nut, a little yeah. nut, right? So um, I think the, you know, with with pandemic, with things that changed, reigniting that relationship with your followers and mm-hmm. getting them excited about what it means to follow you and why should they follow you? Because now I think a lot of people have more choices than you're, they did you're right, before. Because just click Google your leader. Yeah. <laughs> Find them. They're anywhere in the world. Yeah. And... Uh, Lines have been erased. So I just completed a book entitled You Are What You Eat About the Fruit of the Spirit. Actually, your daughter illustrated, Michaela illustrated the cover. And this book is the fruit of the spirit from love all the way through to self-control. So how do you lead yourself? I know it takes Mm. self-control, but that's where a lot of people miss it. They want to lead people, but they're not leading their self. How would you speak to that? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with self-awareness. Okay. And so EQ is really big in leadership. In fact, you can look at great performers and your intelligence gets you in the door. Right. But what differentiates you is your emotional intelligence. Right. And really that, what that speaks to is um, Mm self-awareness. So understanding my impact on other people. Okay. And then once I'm aware of that, I can manage myself. And mm-hmm. that's where the self-control comes in. Right. Right. But I can't manage myself if I don't recognize I'm getting triggered right now or, ooh, that person, so, so they send empathy me. Empathy is a big thing, isn't it? Empathy is the second part of that. So right. I, have to, I have to be aware of how others are feeling right. and empathize, not sympathize, right. empathize. Um, with them. And then lastly, I need to have social management, the ability to kind of regulate that whole situation for the best outcome possible. Let's go back to empathy. Yeah. Um, we, we live in the selfie age with our phones. Uh, it seems that uh, there's more narcissism in the world now than ever before. True. Narcissism is really a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. And it, it comes even from trauma at a young age. But I think uh, the world is 
really adopting more narcissistic traits. Can you break down the difference between sympathy and empathy? Yeah. Sympathy is what I would describe as pity or feeling sorry for. And not many people want to be filled sorry for. Nobody wants to be pitied. Yeah. Well, Well, exactly. (laughs) Yes. Please pity me. Um, But empathy is saying, I have no idea how this feels. But I know this has to be hard. I mean, I'll give you an example. One of my good friends this week lost her husband. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know how close they were. And I can't say, I know how you feel. Right. That that totally degrades what she's feeling. But I can say, I have absolutely no idea how painful this is. But I know it is. And I'm here. Mm. And whatever you need, let me know. Because you were loved so well. And I know that's a gift. But I know that there's a hole. Right. And I'm here to help fill part of that, but I know I can't fill it. Well, you're a great teacher. Let's have a teaching moment here. Um, Students worldwide, we're out of school for a year and a half to two years, homeschooled, watching things online. Um, So they communicated with their phones, basically. Now they're back in school all over the world, and they're lacking empathy because you don't have to have empathy to type something in here. And it's easy to be another person. Well, now they're not talking through their phone, they're just blurting things out that they would normally type, and it's causing lots of problems. How do people build empathy? Mm. That's great. Great question. So I think number one, uh, most of emotional intelligence is learned the hard way. So let's start with there. Getting hit in the face, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, messing up, right? right? Like uh, doing that, blurting something out, going, uh, okay, that was not so good. And so reflection is actually one of the best tools to build empathy. Um, I think also starting to think, how would I feel if I were that person Mm -hmm. in that situation? Um, You know, there's a situation this morning, even with um, my husband and a coworker, and, you know, they could she responded like those kids right. <laughs> that we're talking about. But um, had she taken a minute to think about, you know, oh, that must have been how Ken was feeling. Right. She could have been a little bit more empathetic in her response. And and I think I do see this. I see kids are really because um, this is like easy courage. Sure. I can sure. say anything I want to here. Anything. Because I'm protected by a screen. Right. But then I see you face to face and then I'm like, ooh. It gets real. And those words I said to you are like nails. You know, when I think about words, they're like nails in a piece of wood. Mm -hmm. Even if you take a hammer and take it out, that hole is still there. Mm, That's good. You can't take back the hole. Right. So we have to be a lot more careful. So I think part of it is just learning how to have, um, there's two things I say. One, assume positive intent. Because mm-hmm. nobody that I know, there are some nefarious people, but nobody that I knew got up this morning to say, I want to ruin somebody's life. Right, right. So assume positive intent, but just then help people realize, secondly, that the impact of what they said was different than the intention they had. Say that again. The, so the impact right. of what they had was different okay. than their intention. So okay. their intention could have been great, sure. but the impact on me well. didn't <laughs> land well. Yeah. And I have to own that and say, I'm so sorry. Self-reflection is big. Yes. Isn't it? Yeah. And yes. That's, that's painful, but it's uh, so necessary for leaders. It is. Yeah. So who can be a leader? Everybody can be a leader. You know, a leadership is to me more of a posture than a position. Okay. And, you know, you look through, you look at, um, my mom jokes that I've been leading since kindergarten, which I'm sure you find not hard to believe at all. But, you know, marching into a situation and seeing an opportunity to do something differently and saying, hey, let's do this. Right. Um, you know, I think, I think leadership is a posture and, is, and it, you can have a posture of, um, 
title, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm, I'm a leader because I'm a t- right. I have a title. That will never get you anything. But you can have scorn. a posture of a servant. <laughs> It'll get you scorn sometimes. Yeah, right? <laughs> you'll lose people. Yeah. But I've seen people, you know, I mean, we had command and control for many years. You look at the right. Industrial Ever- Revolution, it was all command and control. Mm-hmm. You knew who was in charge because right. you had the power. Right. But now we're in a knowledge economy. And so everyone can lead because they lead through their contributions, not necessarily a position. Oh, that's good. I like that. So are leaders born or made? Mm. <laughs> this is the age-old debate, John. Yeah, I know. yeah. I think I thought you would have the answer. Oh, I don't have all the answers <laughs> at all. No, I, I think that some people are predispositioned to be good leaders. With their EQ? Or their... Um, no, just their home home life. Okay, so I guess true. we're saying made. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I also think there's people that come out that just have a natural uh, gregarious personality. And right. so it's easier for but them. But there's not a literal leadership chromosome. No, there's okay. no, no DNA. <laughs> right. And here's the thing. I've been in leadership for over 25 years. I've seen amazing quiet leaders. I've seen mm-hmm. amazing outgoing leaders. Um, leadership is not one type. And, and that's one of the big disservices I think we did in the 90s was say, you have to be like this right. to be a leader. And now what I love is we're, we're charting, starting to help people realize you can lead by who you are. In fact, who you are is what people want. Right. Authentic exactly. leadership is the really big thing. Right. And we were basically taught to mask ourselves yeah. and be a cookie cutter. Or compartmentalize it. Yeah. Right? Like leave that, that at, leave that at home. And again, you go back to COVID and the pandemic, you couldn't leave at home. No. <laughs> you were at home. No. And, and And everything crossed over. Things bled over how I'm feeling about the pandemic, what I'm feeling about my kids or the situation. It became a part of what leaders had to deal with, right. flaws, not just a task. I, flaws and scars tell stories. Yes. And uh, I think when we leave them out, we become cold. Yeah. And uh, disconnected from people, right. and that encourages reality. Which you're you're a very real leader. I've been in many of your classes. You'll you'll tell your weaknesses. You'll share your strengths. You'll share your stories. You don't hide anything. Yeah. Uh, it makes you real, and it makes people want to listen to you. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, Ellie's real. She's not pulling any punches with herself, so she can get real with me. Yeah. And that's that's how I see you worm your way into people's lives, kind of just being real. Yeah. And uh, I love that about you, that you, you have no pretenses. You've been in all kind of high places and big companies. You don't act like it. You're just Ellie. Thank you. Yeah, you're I just try. Ellie. That's yeah. awesome. I appreciate that. And you know, when you think about authentic leadership, which is what you're talking about, um, think about when you're buying a car. Would you rather have someone give you just all the good around the car? Do you trust them? No. 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 But if they say, hey, this is not working and this this could be better, mm-hmm. you trust them more. Right. Why? Because they were transparent. And and our this next generation demands that. Like, I yes. think we craved it. They demand right. it. Like, if you're not authentic. They'll walk away. Yeah. And they have this authenticity meter. They right. walk around the whole time really trying to look at, are, are you who you say you are? Mm-hmm. Are your actions congruent? I mean, not that anyone's perfect. Right. But if you can own that you weren't good or that you you messed up, you gain credibility with them. Right. Well, I remember when uh, Jerry Springer in the 90s started interviewing people and having people on that would tell all. And it was scandalous. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. No. And it was intriguing. It was like watching train wrecks because our culture was like, you don't talk about family problems. You don't talk about your problems. Who would know 20 years later that's what's in vogue? 
30 years later that, that you can talk about these yeah. things. It's encouraged because the scripture even says, in your weakness, yeah. you're made strong. Yes. And, and in your weakness, he's strong. He is strong too, right? through you, yeah. But I think there's a line, too. I mean, we, yeah, I think we saw this with the royals, right, when Harry and Meghan had their interview. <laughs> right. And, and how that kind of, that was a little dishonoring. So I do think even in our being transparent, we have to honor others. Right. Especially because there's others involved in our stories most of the yes, time. Yes, they are. So we have to be clear about, hey, this was my my reaction, but, you know, is that a story I even need to tell because it's dishonoring to maybe another person? Well, if you want to make a lot of money with Oprah, it is. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How to make money. Tell all, tell all, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't think it served them well, though. No, it didn't. No. Yeah. Because the royal family is continuing on, aren't they? Well, they are. And it's, again, like that wood with the nail. Yeah. You pull the but nail the out and say you're done. sorry, but right. there's still a hole. Yeah. So, well, there's that's interesting. That's a... So tell us about pursuing your education because you know you're you're very smart. You're learned. You you teach all over the place. Uh, what is the, why, why should people continue with the next level of learning? Hmm. I don't think you should ever stop learning. And why is that? Um, because things change all the time. <laughs> That's true. Things yeah. change quickly. I, I don't know. I, I would get bored um, knowing the same thing, doing the same thing all the time. You know, I'm finishing. I'm graduating and this next year with my third master's. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's in theology because okay. I wanted to learn more about that. And then needing to start this doctorate for my c- position, but also because I'm, I want to leave a brick on the wall. That's good. Right. I, I want to contribute to the conversation and without an education, without understanding new things, then I just have old things to say. Right. So, okay. I like that. Old things to say. And it's not like you're a sage. It's like you're boring. When you get there and you just yeah. keep saying the same things over and over and over again. So to pursue education, to learn, to read, how many books a year do you think you read? Ooh. I know you read quite a bit. A lot. And I mean, you are busy. Yeah, I would say, I would say about 25. Yeah. yeah. So as you read, you become more learned, you become current. People want to hear what you have to say. So I, I love that. And I want to encourage you listening today, like, how do I lead myself? First of all, you know, work yeah. on you. Work on you through reading books. Uh, if you're not plugged into education, you can get online and sign up for any kind of class you want. Oh, you can just take do, so many classes anything, on YouTube. Anything, anything. To, to sharpen yourself, uh, to better yourself. Uh, get in shape. I mean, go running. Take uh, basket weaving. I don't care. Just learn <laughs> something new. Have you ever met anybody that's taken basket weaving? No, I'm always I'd like curious, to. So but we use guys, that as the, if you the guys analogy do, please, all the time. Please let us know. Yeah, exactly. Maybe I need to start a basket weaving <laughs> class. Yeah. 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 So um, I like that for 25 years you worked in corporate America and uh, human resources, preparing you for young students. Yes. <laughs> And now you teach college-age students business and leadership. Mm-hmm. And there's a scripture I'm looking at, 1 Timothy 4.12. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. So you teach at my alma mater, Southwestern Assemblies of God University. Uh, kids from all faiths come there, yeah. but um, it's a Christ-centered university. So I like this, Paul talking to Timothy that you are to set an example for believers in speech. Not It doesn't even say what age you're setting for yeah. all people. Oh, yeah. So, so little you, kids are watching them, too. Yeah, so young people yeah. 
can really be leaders of all different ages, right? Yes. Is that what you tell them? Absolutely. And you know, it's really interesting too, even, even here at the church, um, there are some young leaders that we right. have here that, you know, I've been so taken with, I'll be honest. I was just like, you're how old? Right. Um, because they, they have done such great things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think that being a leader, you just have to have it in your heart right. that it's not about me. And right. that, that was something that, you know, as a executive and, a, and the old me, I was probably more focused on the task and getting things right. done so I could get promoted. Um, but the real leadership is caring about the people. Right. And getting up every day and saying, you know what? I need to make myself, I need to work myself out of a job because I've made them so good. They don't need me anymore. That's good. That is so, a true leader. So why why are people afraid to do that? They need to be needed? Yeah, or? I think we all need to be needed. Right. You know what I want to be? I want to be preferred, not required. Because if I'm required, oh, nobody yeah. goes any, I don't go anywhere. That's true. But if I'm preferred, that's nice. It feels nice. Right. But I don't have to be there, which means I can actually move on to do other things. And the people that I've trained can move on to do the things that they're good at now. Right. And I would so want th- them to teach. Then you're not bottlenecking the whole whatever yeah, organization, yeah. the whole movement. So, okay, that's good. I mean, great leaders should work themselves out of a job. Right. Right. It should be everyone's goal that, you know what, five years from now, I'm not in this chair. Mm-hmm. Because I've raised up enough leaders that three or four of you could take this chair, right? which would be great. And some of you will stay and some of you will go to other companies. In fact, in human resources, one of the biggest issues is um, what we call turnover, right? Mm-hmm. When people leave. Right. If it's turnover for the sake of I never got in challenged or I never had any opportunities, then we've failed. Right. But if it's turnover for we've developed them to such a point that we have nothing that we can challenge them anymore and they're going on. That's a success. Yes. So yes. we should be celebrating that. And I think most leaders, if they actually judge themselves by how many people have gone on to bigger and better and greater things versus how many people still stay with them, hmm. I think it would be a huge shift in in both just excitement for people following that leader, mm-hmm. but also their own success and their brand. Because I want to work for someone who's going to develop me. That's true. I want to follow someone who's going to develop me, not keep me down. Right. Okay, so we're talking to an international audience right now, and leadership is universal. There's leaders in every nation, yes. in every city, every village. There's a village leader. Uh, there's a family leader. So what would you tell people today who think they have no ability to be a leader? What would you say to them? I, I would ask them to think about who could they help. Okay. So Joshua was so blessed to have Moses as a leader because for the most part, Moses was a great, fantastic leader. He made a few mistakes, but a great leader. But let's look at David and Saul, King Saul. David had to follow a corrupt leader. What happens if you're following somebody that is horrible at leadership? Yeah. Well, I think you can learn actually more sometimes from from horrible leaders than you can even from good. But I think it's about faithfulness. And Mm -hmm. that was the one thing about David's story that has always stood out to me is that he was faithful. Even when Saul's life was put into David's hands, he would not touch the Lord's anointed. And so as a leader, God puts leaders into position and he takes leaders out of position. And so if we have a bad leader, we just have to trust. Yeah, I would say journal. That's what David did. It's called the Psalms. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, write about it. So today, uh, wherever you're at with a great leader and process of being leader under a bad leader, 
don't give up, have hope because God's working something in you. And so, Ellie, I thank you for investing in leaders. Thank you for investing in us today. Thank you for investing in me. I see your investment in your children. Just thank you for being you and being a blessing of the kingdom of God. And thank you for being with us today. Be hopeful. Don't give up. God's got you. He loves you. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.